to Talking Architecture and Design. My name is Branko Maletic and today we are talking with D- Director of Architectus, Mark Wild. Wild has been described as many things. Advocate, manager, leader, as well as a translator of clients' wishes and desires into practical solutions. He has also been described as an innovative justice space designer motivated by principled concerns. Justice, of course, features prominently in Wilde's career. He's one of Australia's foremost designers of courts and justice spaces, a specialty that, from what I can see, is rarer than the proverbial hen's teeth. But we'll talk about that a little bit later. Welcome to Talking Architecture and Design, Mark Wilde. Thank you, Branko. Lovely introduction. What drives your passion for architecture, or, or your passion in architecture, if I can put it that way? In this particular field, um, it probably started in my late 20s. Um, I was invited to attend on a, as a juror on a case. And um, I came at the front door and one of a couple of hundred people, I was drawn in the ballot to get onto a murder trial. And I ended up being the foreman. And uh, I was on a case for about five days. We were sequestered overnight and... Anyway, about seven days' worth of time out of the office. So a lot of people said that it was, you know, you know, can you get out of it? I felt a, an obligation. But beyond that, I found the whole task fascinating. Of course, I was listening to the evidence as it was presented, but the environment, the range of emotions, the different opinions of truth was just a fantastic opportunity and... Uh, that's where my passion for this field commenced. Yeah, so um, uh, over the course of that week, uh, you know, different versions of the truth were passionately presented. Um, and then we adjourned into the jury pool room and that's where the real fun started. So, you know, there's 12 people locked in a small room and the range of emotions was astounding, um, from crying through to raucous laughter in a couple of minutes. So that was just a very intense uh, experience for me and left a lasting impression. So when the first opportunity to design a court building or work on a court building came, I grabbed it. It was a great, great opportunity. So it was perhaps 30 years ago now. Um, can you mention what court case it was? Um, I, don't remember, uh, I don't remember the name of the person charged. Um, but we, the jury was unable to find a guilt or innocence verdict, so there was another subsequent case after that. You've also been described as having the ability to foster motivation and commitment within organisational and consultant teams. You know, I'm I'm fascinated. How do you foster innovation? Um, is this a case of helping others discover their own potential, or is it a matter of you know, to put it sort of in a in a, in a very um, slightly crude way, just throwing them in the deep end and, and letting them see, see what happens? Who who swims and who doesn't? It's certainly not the latter. Uh, we like people to succeed. Uh, that helps make my job easier too. So I think I have a role in that. Um, but in this case, I, I think over my career, um, and again, bringing it back to this topic, 
um, I've I've visited many court buildings, seen lots of things, and I have a vision for what a modern court building should be. And I, in any stakeholder group, I try to articulate that vision, and through that process, hopefully engender a level of enthusiasm um, um, to go in a particular direction. Um, and that's and that's how I go about that task. Um, it, within the office, I also try to articulate that vision to the team, uh, to our in architectural interior design team, and to the wider consultant team. That is is interesting. So there is not enough fostering of that kind of, um, I guess, talent. I mean, maybe that's a sort of a, a broad statement, but in terms of Australian industry or you know the workplace. It's not as common as it used to be. No, that's true. I accept that statement. Uh, we're living in a world that's faster, cheaper, more efficient, whatever, however you describe it. And often we need experienced people just to get through the tasks of the day as fast and as best we can. But I think that's a bit sad. Um, I think we, as a senior practitioner, I feel an obligation to mentor um, new people as they come into our business and uh, get them going, um, perhaps give them some benefit of my experience and get them going in a direction that they're comfortable with that become value employees for us. back to court design you've been quoted as saying now correct me if I'm wrong here previous generations of courts were fortresses with heavy walls and small punched openings in the last 10 years the modern court building has taken another direction and that's that's one that that's more sensitive and supportive of all the occupants in the building why is this change of design important in your opinion and does it signal a shift um, in how the wider society, um, I guess, perceives the function of law courts? And how does this compare with you know, the overseas experience in terms of design? So I think it does signify a shift, and it's just perhaps a shift in how the judiciary see themselves as much as anything, or how they want to be perceived in the community. So... Very much, there's nothing to hide here. There's the, the, all the processes are out in the open for people to comment upon and um, uh, and, and assess the performance of judges. So um, I think that a lot of this has come from the judges themselves. So think of a court building here in Sydney, uh, where I am today. Um, there's the King Street Courts. That was a sandstone building, if I'm not wrong, um, punched openings as you described and adjacent to that is the high-rise refurbished building uh, federal courts and state courts I think and that's a glass tower by another description so there's a there's a an interesting difference of a design of court buildings I'm now of the school that the glass tower is the preference and that's being driven by uh, some concepts of transparency Transparency from the outside, and and the program requirements on the inside of the design of a court building. From the outside perspective, 
it's trying to give messages to the community that there's nothing to hide here. So what happens inside is our transparent processes. Uh, with that come some other criteria around security and acoustics and energy performance. So it's not just a simple glass box. There are a few tricks that need to go into the facade to make the building respond to today's requirements. From the inside, I like to provide calming environments for the occupants of the building. Um, not everyone likes to go to a court building. They go there for a variety of reasons. But when they do, there are often stressful events occur. Then people need to concentrate to give evidence to just simply support people to go through the stressful uh, processes of the day. I think the windows, natural light and views uh, provide a great opportunity to calm people, to give them a moment of respite, to look out, to see the clouds, to see the trees, to see the building adjacent or the horizon. It just allows them to gather up something from within inside them to keep going through this process. So for me... That's a driver for the, the glass tower option as distinct from the fortress option. There's almost, um, uh, from what, what, what I'm hearing from it, there's almost a therapeutic um, sort of bent to, to the design. Is that, is that right? Or? You could describe it in that manner, yes. Um, but it's more, I, my preference is the word calmness. So we're trying to uh, materially affect the the mood of people inside the building to to give them distractions i don't know if that's the right word but uh familiar surroundings so that they're not in an alien place and more stressed than they perhaps should be or could be so i prefer the word calmness myself the word transparent um from what i've noticed in my research about you you have a bit of a habit of shaking things up i mean you don't look like a radical but apparently you are a bit of a radical when it comes to court design for example your design of the queen elizabeth ii courts of law in brisbane took a radical departure um, from the traditional court design by exhibiting a high level of as you said transparency and lightness there's that word again lightness um is this a metaphor on what the law should be? Um, and what about the old adage of, you know, justice being blind? Is it more important that it's um, transparent? Um, I, I, look, these notions, or certainly the expression of them, started with QE2, as you've said. Um, so what we're, the thought there was about, it was about the, transparent the process of justice uh, should be held in transparent environments so internally um, great emphasis was placed placed on how many people could sit and participate in the public gallery so that could be just members of the public supporters or indeed the media um, welcome into the courtroom to see the events going on the evidence tabled presented and argued. Um, 
from the outside, how could we express that um, providing the community with the confidence that this is happening out in the open, not behind closed doors? So for us, the solution was um, essentially a glazed building um, so that people could theoretically see in and, and get confidence that these processes were happening out in the open. So let's talk about another word you use, welcoming. I think you've used that. Um, you've also written, um, or you've been quoted as saying, I mean, I, might, I should make that, that distinction, shouldn't I? Um, that first and foremost, a court building needs to be a welcoming facility. Um, I guess, I mean, I, I, I don't have too much experience with courts, but it, when, it, when I think of a court, welcoming is not... It's not the um, word that the first word that comes to mind. Um, why is this so important? Is, it, you mentioned stress levels. You mentioned to put people at ease. Why is that important? I mean, who needs to be put to ease? I mean, certainly not. I mean, does the accused have to be put to ease? Do the employees inside the court building, you know, those who work there, you know, five plus days a week, do they need to be put at ease? I mean, why is this welcoming? Um, so important or so prominent? Short answer is it's a public building. So members of the public come here. Uh, probably the, the last resort to settle, settling differences of law, um, guilt or innocence. Uh, the staff work here so they can perform better in a, in a friendly building. Um, this, for me, perhaps... Going back a few years, I, I attended a, a seminar, a conference on the design of court buildings, and the keynote speaker, I think from memory, was Barbara Nicholson. Forgive me if I'm wrong there. But she described her um, ideal courtroom, and the story went along the lines of it's a summer's day, there's a gently flowing breeze, I'm standing underneath a large, the canopy of a large tree. I'm beside a river. In the environment, there's some sustenance I can get to sustain me while I'm where while we're gathered here under this tree. So for me, as a as an architect, that again is one of the core principles that stuck with me. Hearing that description so evocatively so many years ago, and. I have those kind of thoughts in mind when we design court buildings. And it's, it, I guess it's the metaphor of a large, the canopy of a large tree as a gathering space. And um, it is, is of interest. And how do we get these qualities into the building? Um, um, you know, the breeze, the summer's day, uh, the sustenance from around the environment that allow me to keep going through the day. So if I can express um, uh, those kind of qualities from the outside and from the inside, then I think if I have to attend court, then um, some of these messages I can get perhaps subtly and I'm not, and I'm, I feel like I'm welcome, welcomed into this 
process that's about to occur. So it's not... It's, there's, there's not guards at the front door, there's not small openings, it's not dark, dingy, it's bright, open, friendly, welcoming. As a public building, I think they're important messages. There's a whole series of layers of metaphors there. there there's the and, and I, this is just my interpretation, so you can please, you know, you can quash it with, with glee if, if you so need. Um, there's the indigenous sort of, of metaphor under a, under a large tree, the gathering. There's the, the, the English almost Magna Carta, I guess, um, analogy of, um, you know, the, the, the gathering, the, you know, the, the, the public getting together, you know, there's... there's what are, are they some of the or the types of influence that 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 that, that move you when, when it comes to design um or is it more of an individual sort of basis certainly the aboriginal um, um motives as you describe is is a driver absolutely it is the other one i'd say is it's and it's to do with um, perhaps it comes back to transparency and, and a notion of these events happening in the public. So if we go back a couple of hundred years in in uh, Europe, um, people were routinely found guilty and on a special day they'd be taken to the town square and on the way they'd be pelted with odds and sods and what have you um, and and ultimately executed very, you know, poor souls on the way through to that outcome. <clears throat> so arguably those processes happen, they, they happened in a, in, with a greater degree of transparency in front of the public. I argue that um, we're, I'm more than pleased that we've gone away from that, aside from perhaps famous people who are regularly in the media. So the journey from the curb of the car door that opens to the front door of the court building and perhaps the amount of media reporting that goes on of these of their events, whether they're guilty or otherwise, the media seem to take a view of guilt or innocence or they have different interests. But... Um, uh, so, so these these that's another driver for me. Just thinking about those issues, the process of getting into the building. Uh, what's that? What's that role about? What's the role once you get into the building of how do I navigate my way through from the front door through the security point to the counter to the courtroom? These are the, these are some of the core drivers for me that I think about when we design court buildings. Everything that you've described um, is actually ultimately transferable to other buildings, isn't it? I mean. All those attributes could and should be in every public building. Um, is that um, 
law courts and justice, you know, buildings aside, what would be the next, if, if you are given the, the opportunity, let's say, the, the magic wand to design everything, um, basically, if you're working in New South Wales these days, <laughs> but um, what would be the next level or the next type of building that would require all those attributes, a public building, I'd, I'd say. I mean, because what you've described is probably something that, you know, it, it, it doesn't seem to be the law courts or, or justice building are not the only place that need all those attributes. I think that's correct. I'd agree with that statement. There's something about the program of a court building that is different from the program of an art gallery, is different from a museum, is different from a performance space. <clears throat> so there's those kind of differences that need to be reflected in design, but some of those concepts, base concepts, are core beliefs, I guess, of mine, uh, and so I would bring them to to those different types of buildings, absolutely I would. Um, but I... As I know more about a court building than an art gallery or a museum, for instance, so I can't talk to too much detail about those differences. Australia has a certain style. and Well, the states of Australia have certain styles in terms of court buildings and I think you're doing your utmost to, to change that style, but what other countries do you think would probably need more work than than, than after Australia? I mean, uh, you know, I, I see core builders in the US on on TV, mind you, but they do look monolithic. Mm -hmm. um, there's a beigeness about is that the right word beigeness about them. Mm -hmm. They don't look um, very, I would say, light. Um, is are there other other countries that you think would need you know the the wild touch? Dare I say? Dare I say? So if we talk about North America first, um, and we've picked on this time period of ten years, they've been sort of doing this. Well, I'd argue the same things happening in America. Um, late last year, we looked at a few courtroom the court buildings in California, so. In that time frame, the new generation of court buildings are similarly responding to the issues that I've, we've spoken about today. But prior to that, I'd absolutely agree with you that they're very authoritarian, uh, and and I, you know, I'd be critical and from that perspective. It's a different jurisdiction. There's different weather patterns, so you know there's some regional differences that could also drive that. Uh, but the buildings we saw, say, six months ago, um, many of them, as I say, responding to similar issues about transparency uh, and and taking a human-centric approach about um, uh, supporting the people, all of the different types of people throughout their day. So um, prior to that, we were in Scandinavia uh, looking at a few, a number of court buildings in uh, Copenhagen, into Sweden, and they're different again. Uh, so they, their courtrooms are very egalitarian relative to Australia's and the US. Uh, what do I mean by that? So there are no 
symbols of authority in the building and uh, accused persons don't sit at a thing called a dock in the courtroom. They sit beside their barrister at the bar table or if if the security warrants it, they're in another location and it's a video conference arrangement between the courtroom and the other location where the accused person sits and and so the image is broadcast into the courtroom and vice versa. Um, the floor is completely flat. Uh, the judge is one step up. So that's another statement about equality and egalitarianism. Um, I think precedents in different um, parts of the world develop differently. So here in Australia, we're different from both of those examples. And I think we've got things to learn from each other. I can't say we'll ever go in one direction or another because I say we have our own history and precedents and laws that affect the design of a courtroom. Uh, But who knows? I'd like to see a flat floor one day. Example. So let's talk about some uh, regions that are a little bit closer to home. Mm-hmm. What would be the difference in design of a courtroom in Alice Springs as opposed to Sydney? Obviously, there are, there are different uh, there's a climatic differences. There are obviously, um, uh, you know, socio-demographic differences. Um, in your let's let's say if you were just given a uh, two courtrooms to, or justice buildings aside to design today, one in Alice Springs, one in I don't know Sydney, Wollongong, Newcastle, whatever, what would be the main differences in your mind? The one in Sydney is likely to be a multi-storey building, just because of land values and the and the non-availability of land in the city. Uh, another one is the courtroom is likely to be more specific in Sydney to a type of trial. So if you think of the King Street Courts precinct, there's a number of court buildings there that are almost specialist to a particular type of trial. So there, that's one, some characteristics of what you do think about in Sydney. In Alice Springs, it's likely to be, there's likely to be one court building in Alice Springs that has to be able to accommodate any type of trial. Um, so that will have some differences. That will produce some differences in the courtrooms from being specific at one end through to multi-jurisdictional at the other. Uh, the other thing I'd say is, I, and I don't know the facts on it, but I anticipate um, uh, local cultural groups might have a bigger influence on the design in Alice Springs than it does in Sydney. It's not that... They're not relevant equally in Sydney, but the proportion might be greater. So the connect the issues around connection to country, um, and and particularly around um, not locking up people in dark boxes, and you know people need access to natural light and connection to country. I keep using that phrase, 
those kind of issues probably raise their prominence in Alice Springs. What would you, in a perfect world, um, like to design? What would be your most treasured... I know you're going to say a court building, but your most treasured, your most desired, your you know, the thing that you would like to design and that you would think that may need a, may it might need a lot of urgency. Uh, oh, yes, you're right. I will say a court building, and I'm a Victorian, uh, so I think we have a few accommodation issues in the CBD of Melbourne and and going out into the region. So I think the CBD of Melbourne is in most need of some upgraded facilities and the jewel in the crown, if you want to express that, would be a new uh, Supreme Court building. So like QE2, two courts of law in Brisbane, that was a Supreme Court and uh, not the county court, but the next rung down of court buildings in in Brisbane, I think Melbourne is sadly underdone at the moment. We've got a wonderful historic court building. It's just over the last 200 years it's become out of date, like court buildings have become. So it's time for a bit of an upgrade. Surely these days, security also plays a major part. Yeah. I mean, that's sort, of the, that's sort of the other side of welcome, welcoming, isn't it? Sort of the, the security part um, of, of, of any design. Um, is that something that you look at more and more these days in terms of when you're initially designing something? I think um, access to justice, there's a couple of other points, perhaps. Access to justice... So, again, when we're designing a court building, uh, it needs to be located near some public transport um, so that anyone can get to this building. And then um, from the street, we need to come in horizontally, so we don't like steps, we don't like ramps. Uh, So it's as easy, natural as possible to come in, perhaps part of the welcoming issue. Coming easily, being able to come into the building. This is beyond simple DDA disability compliance regulatory issues. It's a statement about the state providing easier access to justice for the public. The other one I'd perhaps like to talk about is uh, collaboration with the stakeholders. Um, in a court building, there are lots of different stakeholders that have a role in the design and work in the building and either daily or week, on a weekly basis. So in the last court building we designed, we, uh, we of course went through the traditional design process and of more recent times that's now a 3D process. So we can do lots of perspective drawings of what it's like to present our design ideas to the various stakeholders, we can get in. We did do get into virtual reality, so we can put the goggles on, and the stakeholders can 
um, feel like they're in the room. We found, though, that that wasn't enough. So we built a polystyrene courtroom full-size and it was available for stakeholders to inspect over the course of a week. But what we found happened is uh, there was perhaps 20 or 30 people together in the one room at the one time and they could walk around and sit in their in their seating location and observe the proximity uh, to, to everyone else in the courtroom. So that collegiate environment uh, was really beneficial. People, we find, can't really read drawings. They can't really... Even they put the goggles on, they can't really... It's not a true representation of the courtroom. So by going this extra step, our work with the stakeholders... Um, through this polystyrene courtroom was really valuable and they could very quickly say this this works well this doesn't I need to be higher it could be lower can you move it away can you move it closer so that kind of and those kind of comments are heard by the entire group so if anyone disagrees or agrees strongly they'll say so and out of that process we think we got robust designs validated before we got to build the actual courtroom so that was something extremely valuable and that too that principle too um, health projects hospitals have been doing that for a while for a typical ward so it wasn't a unique thing that we thought of but I think for a court building that was the first time I was aware of that you've been listening to Mark Wall from Architectus This is Talking Architecture and Design, and until next time, uh, we'll see you again.